calling all women who are curious and called to be women warriors arising in this day and age to heal and grow together. I'm your host, Jennifer Malcolm, self-made entrepreneur, women advocate, and life balance expert. Welcome to the next episode of the Genesis Speaks podcast, the transformative power of women's stories, where every woman has a story and every story matters. And with me today, I'm so excited. I think I've known Aaliyah Sterick for probably 25 to 30 <laughs> years. We won't disclose our ages. We're very young, but we grew up in the same church and our parents were friends and we were never in the same necessary circle because I am a bit older than Aaliyah, but we have been in the same circle of people and friends and influence for a long time. And I'm really honored to have you here, Aaliyah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. So for <laughs> The audience, I'm just going to share a little bit about who Aaliyah is, and then we're going to just jump into your journey. All right. All right. So Aaliyah is an almost 40-year-old woman who thought she would feel wiser and be more put together at this point in life, yet she is still stumbling and fumbling and learning how to take it all one day at a time. She and her husband have been married 17 years and have two amazing teenage daughters and two dogs. Aaliyah values vulnerability and prefers real talk over small talk. She loves sunshine and warm weather. She's recently taking up jogging, inspired mainly by the need to lower her cholesterol. She works part-time at a chiropractic center and spends the rest of her time running her kids around to all their various activities, which she honestly couldn't love more. There's nothing that makes Aaliyah happier than her family. So welcome, my friend. And that's such a personal, <laughs> beautiful bio. I love it. I yeah. read dozens of bios and that one is sparky and fun. So thank Aww. you. Thank you. So let's just jump in wherever you want to be a part of your story. Tell us about yourself, your marriage, anyone who knows Aaliyah's daughters, they're gorgeous, teenage, <laughs> beautiful gems, and just start sharing where you want to. Yeah. So my husband and I have been together 20 years, married 17. We have two amazing daughters. One is just about 16 and the other one is just about 14. So we are in all of the sports and learning how to drive and all of the things. And it's wonderful. The teenage years, I always said that I wanted to skip them, but they are really fun. And it's kind of great because they are more independent, but they do still need me and I get to like see them just spread their wings and fly in all of these areas that they have been growing towards. So it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. And so for context, my kids now are 21, 19, 17. And I remember when Camden started first driving, I was like gripping the wheel, like yeah. gripping, you know, gripping everything and enjoying. Then when Paige started driving, it was nice because Camden could be kind of in charge. And by the time Reagan started driving, I was like, oh, you guys are good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's well, fun to watch as someone with anxiety. <laughs> been interesting, but I do, I feel like I am doing a pretty good job just staying calm. And when mistakes are made, I'm like, nope, you got to get right back out there and do it. And, you know, on the inside, I'm screaming, but I feel like on the outside, I'm staying very calm and just showing all of my confidence in her. And she really is doing such a great job. So, That's awesome. So that is the story that you were willing to share today was to talk yeah. about your anxiety and you just mm -hmm. mentioned it. So at what age or time in your life did you either start feeling anxiety or being able to articulate and recognize that this is something that you had to deal with? I don't feel like I really had it so much growing up. It definitely runs in my family. 
I would say I would worry, but I didn't feel like it was an anxiety disorder at that point. And so it wasn't until I became an adult and really started to face a lot of life circumstances that just kind of triggered it more and more in me. And maybe just like tapping into my genetics and wore me down a little bit, you know? So my husband and I, we had no idea we were going to struggle with infertility. And I would say that was probably not where it started, but one of the things that started the process of me really struggling with anxiety, just because becoming a wife and a mom was all I ever wanted. So not being able to have children was very devastating to me. It was one of my worst fears come true. So we, you know, struggled with infertility. We took a few years trying to figure out what the problem was. Can the problem be fixed? All of those kinds of things found out that really there's nothing that could be done. And so we grieved that. And then we decided to adopt, which was something that we had actually already talked about doing. Our plan was to have some biological children first and then adopt down the road. That obviously wasn't God's plan. So then we went through the adoption process, which is quite stressful. And then we went from zero children to two children, ages two and four, who were grieving and had gone through trauma and rightfully were experiencing anxiety themselves because their whole world got just taken out from underneath them. Right. So just help them through their grief and through their trauma and just being the best kind of therapy mom I could be. I feel like just being around people with anxiety can kind of trigger some of that too. And I'm very hard on myself as well. I'm very much a perfectionist. So that kind of set some things in motion and just over the years, all of the life circumstances, but it kind of was just my normal. So I feel like I would tend to worry and I could tend to catastrophize and something happens. My mind would want to go 10 steps ahead of all the what ifs, but I still felt like it was manageable for me up until the past couple of years. So the whole world goes through this pandemic and then my kids are home from school and I'm trying to help them do school and I'm trying to work from home and I'm trying to just keep everyone sane, especially in the beginning when no one knew what all this was going to look like. And then all these different things happened over the course of the past couple of years. My dad had some mini strokes that really changed his and my mom's life. We helped my mom pack up their house of 23 years and move them to a ranch so that my dad didn't have to do stairs and then helped her fix up that house. I actually was having some health problems like numbness and tingling in my legs and arms. I saw neurologists. No one really could figure anything out. They ended up saying, oh, maybe it's fibromyalgia. My husband started dealing with really bad tinnitus and vertigo. And his vertigo episodes would just, he would be laid up sometimes for more than a day or two, sometimes portion of the day. So all these things Then our dog of 12 years passed away last summer while we were in Florida, she was a baby to me. I mean, we had our dogs before we had our kids. So they're kind of more than just dogs to us. They filled that hole in our hearts when we were waiting for our children. And then the kids' sports schedules were just insane, like six days a week, running back and forth. Sometimes I would have to go back and forth to the school five times because of 
the schedule, right? Yeah. So I started just feeling like the way that I used to feel when something would happen, something scary, something, you know, a lot of my anxiety centers around the health and wellness of my family. So the way that I used to feel when something would happen, where we'd have like a health scare was the way I was feeling on a daily basis. And then when something happened, it was almost unbearable. So anxiety for me can feel almost like I'm constantly in a hurry, this constant sense of urgency. And even at times of rest, I couldn't shake it. And then a lot of times just feeling like my nerves were on edge all the time. I've had times with like chest pains. A couple of years ago, I had this experience where it felt like I was falling and I felt this sensation for about 24 hours straight. And I was not consciously anxious about anything. Wow. I wasn't worried. I wasn't, it was just there. And I w- went to the urgent care and they couldn't find anything. And they're like, it's probably anxiety. So at the end of the summer, we're dealing with all these things. I was already realizing things were just different for me. And then the kids talked us into getting a puppy. <laughs> we got two puppies last year too those darn kids talking to it and they were like well we didn't get to be there when Gus was a puppy and I thought it's now or never because they're teenagers and so we're like well why not add to the craziness right that puppy really did me in (laughs) (laughs) you're not to be a blessing in disguise though because just with our whole schedule and everything that was going on and then having this puppy who just needed constant attention, like could not take your eyes off of her for five seconds. I could not handle it. I couldn't handle it. I was not myself. I was constantly on edge. I could not relax when I have, I wouldn't call them panic attacks. Cause I'm not like hyperventilating or anything. Right. But when I have more like bigger anxiety episodes, I just cannot settle hmm. and my mind just won't stop. So I was experiencing all of that a lot. Every little thing, I mean, just some of the smallest things I would start to catastrophize and worry about, it was just unhealthy. And so between my husband and my best friend and my sister-in-law, who I would open up to, all three of them kind of just told me, you know what, this is not okay that you're feeling this way. And maybe you need to consider medication or something. So I was so against medication (laughs) and not even because of the stigma. It was more just because I didn't want to have to rely on taking medication every day. I've been so blessed not to have to for anything else. And I tend to like to do things naturally as much as possible. And then I also, there's all these fears of, okay, I could try medication and I've had allergic reactions to medications in the past for things. So it's like, am I going to react poorly or is it going to take a while? Am I going to feel worse before I feel better? And just knowing that the whole process could be really a pain. It's also hitting your unknown, which is also then going to trigger your anxiety because it's right. the unknown and the new, which makes your mind start going exactly. steps so ahead of you again. This vicious cycle. Right. So I actually started off, I was like, okay, I think I just need something as needed. And so my doctor prescribed me, I laugh now, <laughs> she prescribed me this, it's like an antihistamine that they prescribe for anxiety. And I was really feeling anxious about something. And so I took it and I started having so much anxiety over taking this medicine. <laughs> You're like, this is because contrary. <laughs> I took it at night and 
knowing that I've had allergic reactions, I started panicking. What if I have a reaction and I'm gonna have to go to the ER in the middle of the night. And then it didn't even help me at all. So it didn't work and it caused me to panic. And I was like, all right. And then after that, I realized, you know what? I just need to try something to take daily. My issue was a lot worse than just taking something as needed. So I went for it and I'm so glad I did. I've been taking Lexapro since I think October. I started off with a little baby five milligram dose. And after about a month, I could feel it helping, but felt like I needed a little more. So now I'm at 10 milligrams and I just cannot even express how much better I feel. It's to the point where I forgot what normal felt like. Wow. Things that were normal for me, just chest pains at the grocery store, just always feeling rushed and just every little thing, you know, the dog would eat something and then I'd start to panic about it. I just am not reacting that way and feeling that way anymore. It's like my baseline was changed. That's amazing because- There's a piece in it, and I know this is an audio podcast, and we will put some pictures on for social media, but if you can look in Aaliyah's face, she's beaming, and she's smiling, and it, you look so relaxed and free. I know that you and I have interacted, and you actually worked for my marketing company for a period of time, and we didn't work intimately, but I didn't know that you dealt with it. Mm-hmm. And I know that mental health and anxiety and stress and depression is becoming more and more of a normal topic, but there's still that emotional stigma or that emotional shame we put on ourselves or part of it, I feel like is the way even that I grew up, I won't project this on you and in a church and faith driven. And if you have enough faith and if you do the right things and, and you believe, but I remember having to go on Zoloft when I was pregnant with Reagan Mm -hmm. and I had so much shame and embarrassment and And I had two babies and I'm sure I was in postpartum from one and then found I was pregnant with my third. And I remember Rob's uncle coming to me and saying, would you ever feel shame taking Tums when you had a stomach ache? Would you ever feel shame when you had to take Tylenol for a headache? And he was like, so why do you feel shame? Because a chemical in your body, the same as an antacid and the same as a headache that normalizes your emotions. Why do you feel shame about that? It broke something and brought healing and freedom in such a way that transformed my life and my world. And so I applaud you for, I mean, (laughs) when you're dealing with anxiety and then you're doing something new, you're actually running into the flames. You're running into the storm because Mm -hmm. you are dealing with it on two folds. And I can't imagine that type of emotional roller coaster you were on to then finally say like, this is what I do need. Right. Yeah. I had enough. I don't know what it is about anxiety and mental health that makes us think that we should be able to control it because it has to do with our minds. But like you said, it's brain chemistry. It's no different than like in my bio, I started jogging because I needed to lower my cholesterol. So I always try natural first right. you know, and it's working for me, Right. but there are members of my family who could not control their cholesterol yeah. with their lifestyle and they had to go on medication. And so same thing. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in this. I tried what I could do naturally. Right. It wasn't enough. Right. And so now that I see how it's making me feel, I'm just I'm so grateful. In that example, I'm sure that as you look at people who take cholesterol medicine, 
that you're not going, why didn't you try harder? Why didn't you do better? Or you're not exuding shame. You're like, okay, there's a compassionate understanding. And I think that's the barrier of this conversation that needs to be broken is it's just something off in your body that a medication can rectify. And if you have enhanced quality of life and you now say, I can go grocery shopping without having chest pain or my mind is slowing down and allowing me to breathe and rest, that normalcy and quality of life that you gave back to yourself, that you gave back to your marriage, that you gave back to your daughters, Mm -hmm. that's powerful. It really helped me realize how bad my anxiety really was. I feel like it sneaked by me just because I had valid reasons to feel stress. I mean, infertility is stressful. Adoption is stressful. Kids are stressful. These different health problems that we were going through were all stressful, but I found that I can deal with those things and not feel as anxious and as stressed as I was feeling in those stressful situations. Aside from the medication, I have started seeing a counselor. And I know for me, and this is something I've known about myself, well, for everyone, trying to nip thoughts in the bud. So when I can start to spiral and I'm consumed by a fear, finding what will work to tell myself to stop it right there. And so one of the phrases that I've been telling myself when I'm starting to worry about a certain situation, and I just don't want it to get any farther than that, is just telling myself, I am at peace with everything that has happened, is happening, and will happen. And when I tell myself that it reminds me that I can be at peace no matter what. And it just stops that train of thought before it gets too far. And I spiral too far. And that's a natural practice. You have to activate that muscle. You have to choose to declare those phrases over you. Yeah. I was telling Chad a couple months ago, we were going through just a lot of struggle in business and it just was one thing after the other. And I crash hard. My husband's like, you say, I'm going to go to sleep. And you literally roll over and you're snoring. It took you about (laughs) 2.4 seconds to fall asleep. I struggle staying asleep. I will go deep fast. And then around 132 and I do wake up because the dogs sleep in our room. But this one night it was like in a spiral. It's like, I woke up and it was this client. I woke up and it was that client. But I said to him when I was able to go to sleep as I just was like, I want to go to Greece. And I was literally envisioning a country I've never been to and water and a society. And I'd immediately go back into sleep. And then I'd wake up an hour later and it was like this stress and anxiety and the worrisome. And I was like, I just want to go to Greece. So the same thing as you're declaring peace over your mind, if my mind can focus on something else that was healthy and fun and whole and beautiful that got me away. It, it's literally a practice of muscle and intention. Yes. And it sounds like that's what you're sharing about you having to take every thought captive right. and to own it as well. Yep. Wow. 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 That's powerful. So yeah. what would you say to other women who are listening to this podcast? Because some women are going to say, okay, Elia, get over it. It's fear or it's why make a mountain out of a molehill. And that is not my impression or intention at all, or even my belief, because I am all about mental health. I'm all about medicine as needed. And I'm all about therapy and activation of those pieces. But what would be, because there is that shame still. And a lot of people want to say, well, I don't need that. That's not me. I don't deal with depression or anxiety, but there's a lot of women who are suffering yeah, and who are remaining silent. And maybe mm-hmm. it is their spouse that knows, or maybe a very small circle, but there is help out there. So what type of encouragement would you give to women who might be in that in-between stage? 
I would say just give something a shot. For me, I didn't realize how bad it was until I started feeling better. And the phrase, making a mountain out of a molehill, that's how I was feeling every day. So now that I'm feeling better, all these things that occur in my life don't feel as big of a deal. So I would just say, whatever that next step is for you, whether it's just opening up to a friend, going to see a doctor, I got on anxiety medication just by seeing my primary care physician. And we were able to even just do it virtually. So I want women, anyone, but women to just know there is absolutely no shame in experiencing anxiety, depression, anything mental health wise. I actually was looking up statistics. Oh, I love it. And anxiety disorders affect around 40 million adults. So that's almost one in five people. Wow. So it's not uncommon, right? It's not. And I know it's scary to take steps, especially if you're going to try medication, but don't give up. Try one thing. And if it doesn't work, try the next because you're worth it to keep trying to find something that's going to work for you. And if you are able to go to counseling, I know it's expensive, but just whatever you can do to try to take that next step to helping yourself. Well, I think it's that advocation for self. And it sounds like your husband and your best friend were there to help and give support. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like the pandemic, as much as it caused such anxiety and such unknown and a lot of fear, I think one fruit of it is it did cause people to do self-care, self-reflection in a manner that was more intentional and more purposeful than a lot of us have taken time to do. And because everything paused and the reality of it's me and, and my husband and my kids and we're here again on the day to day. Like you face yourself in a manner that caused me at least to be reflective of how much I give and give and give. And yeah. yet how much do I not replenish my own soul to be able to replenish your own soul and to fill my tank so that I can flow to others and to give out of abundance, not out of lack. That's the flow. And for you now to be able to say like you advocated for yourself And now you are in a better version of yourself that you can now be a mouthpiece to encourage other people to step into a new level of freedom or lifestyle or a life purpose, life quality that they may not know is even available is super encouraging. I'm going to say you have to put yourself first. If you're feeling this way, you do. I know for me, it was so easy to shove it all down. I got this. I'm fine. I can manage this and just keep doing what I was doing, but I was falling apart. I got to the point where I just felt like I was such a mess. My head was spinning. It even affected my memory. I was fatigued all the time because my mind and my nerves were just constantly overstimulated. And so it's so easy as women, as moms to put everyone else first, but how they tell you to put your own oxygen mask on first you really do. And then once like you said, you can fill your own cup and you will have more to pour out to your family. Well, and that's not selfish. That's self-love, that's self-care, that's right. self-nurturing. And when you can do that, you're a better mom, you're a better wife, you're a better partner, you're a better person in the community, a better person at your work. So that self-care, self-love is not selfish. And I think that we need to continue to advocate for ourselves and to erase that stigma and to erase the shame of it and normalize and bring that to light as well. Yeah. Oh, 
So thank you so much for sharing your story today. We are honored and blessed to have you here. So as we wrap this up, are there any closing remarks, words of encouragement, hope that you would love to share with our audience? I just wanted to say to anyone out there who is struggling with anxiety or depression or any kind of mental health issue, I just want to say there's absolutely no shame in it. It is not because you're doing something wrong and you're not alone. There are so many others out there who are struggling and that's why I'm choosing to be vulnerable and share my journey and my struggles. Hearing about others with similar struggles really helped me feel less alone and others opening up to me about being on anxiety medication made it feel like less of a big deal and gave me the courage to try something that really ended up working so well for me and changed my life. So that's why I just really love what you're doing here, Jen. I love that you've created a space for women to be vulnerable and share their stories and encourage one another. I'm just so honored to be here. Even if this helps just one person feel less alone or take a step toward feeling better, it was so worth it for me. So thank you for having me and just allowing me to share some of my story. Oh, you're so welcome. And I love the way you've just positioned that of even if it's just for one person. And that's what this movement is about. If we can give hope or reframe something negative or harmful in someone's mind and heart and soul, one person, one voice at a time, one story at a time, and that's where the healing and the growth and the compassion are birthed. It's between one-on-one conversations. And so I really appreciate your desire to share your story in a vulnerable way that Mm -hmm. also is going to give hope and position and realign someone's thoughts about that. And if this ladies breaks off an element of shame, embarrassment, the position is to say you're not alone and that, that there are other people out there and it's okay to use prescriptions and medicine for mental health and it's normal and it's good. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that you were able to share that part with us. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thanks ladies for tuning in today. We are so honored that you took part of your day to listen to Aaliyah's story and we look to connect with you next week. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Subscribe to the Genesis movement to empower women's voices and reclaim the power over your own narrative.